Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. Partner Vest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security. Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. Today is April 17th, 2015. I'm Charlie Wright, and we're very pleased you joined us. And we're talking with John Har, founder of Silver Portal Capital. John talks to us from their headquarters in San Diego. John, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks, Charlie. Glad to be here. So, John, let's begin with some of your background and then more specifically the history of Silver Portal Capital. Sure. I won't bore you a lot with my background. I worked on Wall Street for some 15 or 20 years and and then started Silver Portal about 10 or 15 years ago, I guess it was now. Silver Portal is really a uh, real estate investment uh, and advisory firm. Uh, We uh, raise equity capital for all types of real estate properties. Uh, We do it at the project level as well as joint ventures. Um, We do raise capital primarily from institutional investors, but also uh, somewhat from high net worth individuals. Uh, So we will do that in uh, long-term program joint ventures, uh, or we will do it for large single assets. Uh, When we work with institutions, uh, they're primarily a single investor for a single real estate operator. Uh, When we work with high net worth individuals, uh, we may be doing uh, something that is 1031 related, which is a tax advantage trade, or through a crowdfunding site, which we've set up uh, just about three or four months ago. Uh, It's all real estate all the time. Uh, We don't give investment advice. Uh, We don't sell securities, but we do allow investors to get direct to the real estate, which uh, seems to be attractive in this market. Okay, and what kind of real estate projects? I presume you're involved on the front end, so by by developers, correct? Yeah, our clients are always the real estate operators. So they are either acquiring real estate or developing real estate, and it can be any property type. Uh, it can be the traditional core real estate types, like retail, industrial, office, or apartments, uh, or it can be a niche property type. It could be something that is healthcare related, it could be self-storage, it could be lodging and leisure, so if it's got dirt under it, uh, we finance it. Okay, and are these domestic projects or international? And they're exclusively U.S. at this point. Okay, and uh, who are the kinds of investors that you have? You say institutions. Can you just give us some examples? Sure. Uh, when we're doing larger deals, and so those would be uh, multiple assets over multiple years, and the capital raise might be a hundred to two hundred million. It would be pension funds, foundations, endowments could be opportunity funds, which have already aggregated capital. Uh, It really depends on the property type and the real estate strategy, but that's the ilk of the investor. 
Okay. And so, uh, John, we really appreciate you uh, being on with us here today. It's a bit of an anomaly. We're not real estate people. We're publicly traded securities people, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, uh, third-party asset managers with unique strategies, etc. And uh, about the only way we've gotten involved in real estate has been through REITs. So your kinds of projects are not typically the kinds of things that we're doing. So let's begin with... Tell us, what, what is your basic story on why real estate should be a good investment for people moving forward? You know, I think your comment about REITs was germane to the foundation of my comment because it really has been the last 20 years that the REIT industry has grown up and certainly has facilitated, from an educational standpoint, investors' interest in investing in real estate, at least from a security standpoint. Uh, more recently, though, high net worth investors particularly have seen the need to get direct to the real estate and invest in the assets themselves because the REIT industry has become as volatile as you know any other stock they might own. So our strategy is to help investors create uh, a portfolio that includes not just liquid stocks, whether that's REITs or other types of stocks, but invest directly in the asset themselves. And the reason for this is that if you look historically, those assets have performed well both in and out of cycle, and by that I mean real estate cycle and interest rate cycle. Uh, They tend to be a good hedge against inflation, and they also uh, tend to be a good balancer of portfolio in terms of current income. So there's a lot of reason to invest directly in an asset as opposed to just own a security. Okay, and obviously that that's what you guys do. Uh, is REIT a struggle for the smaller investor? They're unable to access the kinds of projects that you guys are involved in. Uh, is, there, is there any particular danger uh, area of REITs? And would you recommend public uh, REITs versus uh, privately traded REITs? Uh, what do you think of the REIT industry? Okay, well, you, you know, you've got me a bit you know, out of my realm of expertise. But, you know, I, I mean, I think generally for smaller investors, having exposure to REITs is a good idea. The liquidity, uh, the transparency, uh, the corporate governance that's there provides a lot of protection, just like with any other NYSE-listed stock. So I think if you don't have the net worth to invest some portion of your portfolio in an illiquid investment, like a direct real estate investment, then REITs are a good way to go. Uh, I particularly like the listed REITs uh, as opposed to the non-listed REITs. So non-traded REITs are non-listed. They're public but not listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, I think I would probably tend toward the listed REITs as opposed to the non-traded REITs. And may we ask you why? Well, because the liquidity is something that you should value. So if you're going to have a, a REIT security, if you will, Um, I would favor something that allowed me to trade in and out. Uh, The non-trader REITs tend to lock you in and have a very modest and limited redemption feature with them. Uh, It doesn't allow me to trade the stock tomorrow if I need the money or decide that I want to move into a different sector. I just have a lot more flexibility with an NYSE-listed REIT. Okay, and one of the issues I've always had with REITs is the transparency. You know, people talk about charges and mutual funds, uh, but they're, they're, very, they're very small, really. And especially now whether we use ETFs, uh, they're extremely small. But you've got much bigger charges, and you've got areas of REITs that are not very transparent. And so when they go to refinance, uh, we don't know who they're refinancing with, uh, and just areas of opportunity for mischief here. Uh, am, am 
I being too concerned about something, or are there are there ways to find greater transparency in REITs? Well, you know, I, I think I think you are being a little harsh. There's full disclosure, full transparency uh, in both traded and non-traded REITs. They're both and uh, SEC listed, uh, so they're registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, they have independent boards of directors. Uh, they have prospectuses and filing statements and Qs and Ks that investors and their advisors can look at. All the fees are fully disclosed in both instances. So, again, I think what you, what you have in one instance is you have a listed REIT that trades daily. I can see what the value of my investment is. Uh, on the non-traded REIT side, it isn't listed. I'm not really quite sure what the value of my investment is. But in terms of mischief, quote-unquote, I think that's a, a bit of an overstatement because, again, the SEC requires the same disclosure for non-listed REITs and listed REITs. Okay, and I don't mean to be overly harsh on REITs. I, you know, I, I just have to look out for people's money, and those are questions that I have had over time. And uh, I've I just met uh, too many where, where everything sounded great, and then uh, 2008, uh, you know, I look around, and these folks are out of business. And yeah, well, uh, I think to your point, and let me just, you know, make a... A side comment. I, I do think that the fee structure on the non-traded REIT side has traditionally been higher than on the listed side. So, you know, if you're going to if you're going to put your client in one versus the other, uh, you probably do well to put them in the listed REIT because the fee structure is going to be more attractive there. Okay, appreciate that input very much. You know, John, we need to take a short break. We'll be right back. And when we come right back, let's talk about the impact of rising interest rates on uh, future real estate opportunities. We're talking with John Haar, founder of Silver Portal Capital in San Diego, California. And you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. We'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's Rocket Fuel, if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. We're talking with John Haar, founder of Silver Portal Capital in San Diego, California. So, John, we are on the precipice of uh, rising interest rates. They're expected not to rise rapidly, but nobody can predict the future. Rising interest rates, uh, tell us the impact, potential impact that you see for the real estate industry going forward. I think it's a great question and, uh, you know, one that's widely debated. Uh, I think if you're in the business and, and you understand the history of real estate, both direct and listed, you know, it's really a misperception to suggest that rising rates are a negative to real estate. In fact, you know, I'd argue quite the contrary. Yeah, there is a bond-like component, if you will, to real estate because it generates, and I'm talking direct real estate now, because it does provide a current income component to it. But there's also a substantial growth component that has to be considered. If you look over the last 
literally 35 years, there have been, I think, six or seven periods of rising interest rates. There have only been three periods of a down cycle in real estate during that time. And frankly, real estate's outperformed both stocks and bonds during this period, uh, whether you're in an increasing or decreasing interest rate environment. And the reason for that, I think, I suggested initially, was because in addition to the current income component, there's an appreciation component to real estate, particularly in a gradually rising interest rate environment, which as you suggested, Charlie, it looks like we're going to see here. And, and, and so there's, a, there's power within real estate, if you will, to raise rents as the economy accelerates and as rates go up. So I don't think there's much risk of rates negatively impacting real estate as long as we have a modest trend. If you see a spike, uh, yeah, I mean, I think all bets are off, and, and there certainly is, uh, you know, a, a, at least a short-term negative impact there. But at the end of the day, as I said, you have pricing power in the ability of landlords to raise rents because rising rates usually means that the economy is doing better, which means there's more demand for the real estate, which means I can attract a higher rent and therefore the pass-through and appreciation of the real estate to the investor is enhanced as well. Okay, well, those were excellent points because, uh, you know, like you say, this is a hotly debated uh, uh, subject, and I I don't know. When I talk to people about real estate, etc., especially the the individual investor, especially the smaller individual investor, um, I I typically see... uh, negative impacts of uh, rising interest rates on real estate, but you bring up some uh, very compelling points there. Uh, John, you uh, you speak fairly often, as you have uh, mentioned to us, uh, to uh, groups of large investors, institutional groups, family offices, uh, advisors to wealthy people, etc. What are the kinds of things you're typically telling them about real estate? You're not out there drumming up business because you're not getting business from people like that, typically. But uh, what are you telling them about the, the future opportunities of real estate? Yeah, as you suggest, I'm not out proselytizing for investors, if you will. So most of the conferences are, uh, you know, discussing the industry and the opportunities within the industry. So uh, if I were hearing this program, if I were an investor interested in considering real estate as a direct investment, I would be wondering, you know, are we at the right place in the cycle? You know, should I add real estate as a component to my portfolio? Um, I think that this is a really attractive time to invest in all types of real estate. Uh, if you're concerned about rising rates, you can do types of real estate with shorter leases. Hotels, for example, are very popular right now because they have leases that turn over every evening. Uh, apartments, for example, have 30-day uh, leases, uh, so to sell storage properties. So most of the conversation that goes on within the industry right now is very positive. We have economic growth. We have job growth. And I don't think you could pick a property type that you would be too concerned about right now or afraid to invest in. I think the market overall looks very strong for 2015. Hey, well, uh, that's great. And uh, and what, what do you see beyond that? Do you see the demographics as being favorable to real estate moving forward? Yeah, great question. That's that a very insightful question. I think as you look, again, at a real estate investment strategy, and I want to try and gear my comments to that for your audience, you know, you can take a couple different tacks here. Uh, I think that you can create a portfolio for yourselves of investments that have long-term current income components. And that's really hard to find in any market, which is one of the primary reasons that 
uh, high net worth investors and investors of all kinds have been attracted to real estate is because they saw the current income component that it provided to their portfolio when everything else was paying no current income and the stability of that as the demographics of our society age. So you can have a component that has a current income uh, uh, part to it. And then I think you can look at demographics from the standpoint of how do I create an interesting portfolio opportunity in areas that are driven by something other than the real estate itself. And what I mean by that is the aging of our population suggests that things that are healthcare related are going to have substantial value long term. So that may be medical office buildings. It may be uh, assisted living and memory care. It may be senior housing, which is really nothing more than age-restricted apartments. So anything that is uh, geared toward the aging of our population in the real estate sector, like the ones I just mentioned, is, is a very popular investment. Uh, student housing is another one that you might not necessarily think of, but off-campus student housing is a very popular investment. It has been for the last decade or so, again, because of the drive for more and more students going to universities. Um, then you have things that are more cyclical. So office buildings tend to be cyclical. They're popular right now because you have job growth. Hotels, you have more travel, both business and leisure. Those are very popular right now. But you might be in and out of those assets at different times in the cycle because you thought they were more or less attractive. So when you think of real estate, it's not just one thing, if you will. There are three components that I just gave you. One is a current income component. There's real estate that does that. There's demographically driven real estate that you can probably own for a long time because the cycle and the wave of the demographics is going to drive the value of the real estate. And then you have some types of real estate that you may be in for a year or two and then move out, like hotels and office. Well, John, you're doing an excellent job of giving us Real Estate 101 here. And, uh, again, that's not the kind of thing that I'm typically dealing with and that uh, probably many of our listeners are not ordinarily involved with. So it's very, uh, very helpful, very insightful, and uh, and enlightening. We appreciate that. Uh, in, th- in terms of things moving forward, uh, John, what keeps you awake at night? You mean other than wondering whether the Cubs are going to win the World Series? <laughs> after the Cubs, right. Okay. You're still yeah, wondering, I huh? <laughs> I am, you know, after all these years. Um, I think, you know, I, you know I, I think the point I would make is that we still haven't eliminated the interest rate cycle or the real estate cycle. I think human nature is that when things are good, people don't ever believe they're going to get bad, and when they're bad, they don't ever believe they're going to get good. Amen. Uh, and, Amen. And I think that, you know, as we move through this cycle, uh, frankly, it'll be like every other cycle. Up until the time the world falls apart, nobody will think it can. So I don't think we should kid ourselves that despite the fact that we have a very low-rate environment now, it's always going to be that way. Despite the fact that investments are attractive right now in almost every sector, it's always going to be that way. So I think you have to be conscious as you build your investment portfolio to have some diversification in multiple sectors, which isn't my idea. Obviously, it's an old idea. But as it relates to real estate, I think that um, every statistic that you read, uh, there is a component that real estate can add to your overall portfolio that is positive. Uh, It tends to add current income. It tends to dampen volatility. uh, It tends to be a good diversifier of your overall investment portfolio. So when I talk about there being a future real estate cycle and a future interest rate cycle, I, I still come back to real estate 
in in the sense that um, I, I would I would really want that to be a part of my overall investment strategy because it provides something that traded securities just can't provide, and those were the items that I just suggested. So, you know, a layer of current income, a layer of demographically driven real estate, a layer of growth real estate, depending on where I am in the cycle, which we talked about in the question you asked me before, that's, that's, that's what I would hold on to as I work my mind through this idea that, you know, the economy will continue to change and be dynamic, uh, it will go up, it will go down, but I still need to have an active investment portfolio, and real estate is probably a good thing to include in that. John, excellent, excellent, compelling points. Thank you very much for, for pointing that out. And again, for many of us, uh, we're not hearing those things every day about real estate. Um, John, a question we always like to ask our guests, what book on investing would you recommend to our listeners? I don't know. Um, I, I'm actually reading a book on leadership right now called Leverage. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not reading a real estate book. Uh, I think you can find uh, more confusing information out there than anything else. So uh, I, I would suggest that folks focus on um, getting good advice from advisors like yourself uh, just because of your knowledge of the breadth of the market. Um, I think trying to uh, become a self-expert is difficult, and, and more than anything, there's, in, there's information on all sides of the real estate question uh, right now. So I, I think my biggest suggestion to folks is that they uh, read the sports page and get their advice from people like you. Okay, appreciate that, and root for the Cubs here. Amen. <laughs> they need it. So, John, give us uh, tell us how people can get a hold of you. Well, if you like, you certainly can look at our website, which is uh, silverportalcapital.com. As I mentioned, if you're an individual investor, um, we do have a uh, website that uh, is for our crowdfunding site. It's called Silver Portal Direct. Uh, and through that, uh, we uh, provide 1031 investment opportunities, and uh, over the next couple quarters, we will uh, raise our own discretionary fund, which will be, as we've talked about here, direct investment in real estate. And so individual investors, accredited that is, uh, will have the opportunity through our crowdfunding site to uh, invest in uh, hard assets that we've underwritten and and typically things that we're also principals in as partners uh, of this firm. So, uh, you know, those are two ways that they can can learn a little bit more about the firm and you know, if they think that we have something to add to the investments they're already making, uh, you know, we'd love to have them look at Silver Portal Direct. Okay. And in addition to that, anyone uh, seeking information about Silver Portal Capital, welcome to send us an email here at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. Be happy to uh, respond accordingly. So, John, final comments for our listeners here. Well, Charlie, I think we covered the topic pretty thoroughly. Um, my, I think it's critical that people understand that uh, real estate isn't just one thing, that uh, when they think about their strategy for real estate, they should think about having a portion of it that has liquidity, which may be in traded real estate stocks, the REITs that we talked about it early, earlier. And if they have the financial wherewithal, uh, you know, getting access to direct investments is key, and one that is a lot more available today uh, through things like crowdfunding and small uh, high net worth funds that are being put together that allow uh, those investors to get to the operators. What's really important, I think I just leave folks with, is if they're going to make a direct real estate investment, uh, the due diligence that they go through is no different than anything else they do. The 
people that are executing the real estate strategy are paramount to the value that is going to be created in the real estate and the quality of that investment. So they can't do better than to spend time underwriting the operators as well as the real estate type, which is really the key in making a direct real estate investment, something that you know we try very hard to pay attention to when we decide who we're going to work with in the sector. Well, John, thank you very much. Again, I, we really appreciate your, your insights, and they've been insightful and compelling and helpful here. And no question about it, real estate is an important opportunity for investing for the future. And uh, we appreciate you sharing uh, your thoughts with us here today. We've been talking with John Haar, founder of Silver Portal Capital in San Diego, California. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. I'm Charlie Wright, and we wish you all happy and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.